0: So we're live now, eh? At least according to. Um,
1: yeah, man. Yeah, how you doing, so, buddy? <clears throat> good, good, good. I missed last week. Um, was that a little? I, I forgot. I always we always forget to tell each other if we're going to be missing. But uh,
0: thank God, I, there's three
1: of us. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was at a retreat last week, last minute retreat that I I, I almost forgot about. And um, but so thank you guys for covering, which was great. It's great to have have the group of us to be able to cover for each other. So that was helpful. Um,
0: Yeah. You missed out on a, you missed out on a good session.
1: Yeah. You guys had Matthew, Matthew Fulton on with you as well. So that's great.
0: Yes, we did. And uh, thank you, Matthew, for joining us. Um, Yeah. We were talking about uh, sales and marketing and what the difference is between the two Uh, and Hector schooled us as always on, on, you know, how to, how to build your brand, how to, Um, define your customer some really seven key elements that he had Um, so some really great content Um, but uh, you know where we where I think we left off last week was where the rubber hits the road and as I was saying to you Mike um, as important as everything Hector was saying last week is um, if you spend all your time doing that and nothing actually implementing and doing some actual marketing and sales I think you're wasting your time yeah and I think you sort of agreed with me on on that, right?
1: Yeah. I think implementation, just like anything, you can try to craft this theoretical ideal deal marketing plan, but you have to execute, right? And so and so just like everything, a good a, a good a good idea or a good plan executed is better than the perfect idea never executed. So the perfect marketing plan, perfect personas, perfect niche or strategy you know, perfect target market that you don't go out and spend any money to actually ex- execute it. You just wasted all your time. So, um, you, it's better to go execute cause cause this is one of the things, uh, I found out, you know, it's funny. A great example is I, I think i shared this before was I, uh, when I first built my website, which I just built myself on Weebly, right? So the ideal side says, Oh, go spend, you know, a few thousand dollars at least on an amazing website with a professional. I went to a WYSIWYG, right, do it yourself website builder and I built a site on Weebly myself. And not bad. It got me through, you know, 2 years of business and um, you know, it's on our path to uh seven figure revenue every year. So, for not bad for a $100 website, but um and I did a I did my first brand on I think 99designs or one of those websites, Fiverr, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, and so, you know, I didn't pay a professional to do that. And this accountant built the site. So, so I built the site and I had built it thinking, oh, well, I'm going to target entrepreneurs, young startups, you know, tech guys in Silicon Valley. And year and a half later, when we did the research on our visitors, um, looking at Google Analytics and HubSpot and all those things, we found out that our repeat and most active visitors on our site were serial entrepreneurs, women in their thirties. So it wasn't the target audience I was wanting to go after. I was marketing to go after. I was planning to go after, but it's that audience that ended up being attracted to the messaging that I had on my website. So execution lets you then figure out who you're actually attracting, right? That that's, I think that's just a reality uh, of, of um, the execution and lets you actually prove out you think you're reaching a certain audience, but who is actually resonating with your message. And maybe that's the actual audience you're better suited to serve, or you need to tweak your message to go after the one you want to. What are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, I think think that sort of proves my point that you really have to get out there um, and start doing stuff because things are you're going to need to pivot you're going to need to adapt you're going to need to shift so if you spend weeks and months and hours putting together this great strategy before you do anything yeah it might be completely wasted I'm because you find out all your assumptions were wrong right so, so the best thing is like i mean it's like software right they talk about the minimum viable product um, <laughs> sorry you got, you got
1: people yelling in the background at you <laughs> so um one of the things that uh we were, we learned at Babson college. And and when I went to come to MBA from there, and um, this thing that kind of just drilled into us was um, at Babson was that get in front of the customer you want to serve, get right in front of them and ask them, what do they want? Right. And so there's two things you're going to learn. One is they may not want the service you want to provide, but they might want you to provide them another service. Mm -hmm. There might be an actual, another service that you didn't realize you could provide, but they're telling you, "I will pay for that. I have money, or I can make great money for that service or product if you can give it to me, because I, I don't know who else to go to to get it." So that's one. The other one is they will tell you how to sell it to them, right? They will they will shape they will inform you on the ways in which to sell it to them, to word it, and the way you pick that up is you you figure out how are they explaining the problem that how are they explain to you the problem that they're trying to solve and what are the benefits or the values of solving that problem for them that shapes all of your messaging to them. Right? So, so, you know, Babson really honed that in on, on to us as, as students. And that's what we did. And we, in, in all the exercises, all the entrepreneurial exercises that we <clears throat> did, we focused on being in front of our customers in front of real customers and observing that and shaping that and asking those questions to help us figure out what are the actual service and products they want us to provide them and how then we can shift our marketing to attract other customers like, like them. Yeah. Andrew, it sounds like Go ahead. What are your thoughts? (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, I I mean, I apologize. I'm getting a little bit distracted. I got a, I got a grumpy wife tonight.
1: Uh, (laughs) You don't want to say that on Facebook live.
0: (laughs) Uh, well you might hear some more of her in the background i might have to mute myself here and there <laughs> um but yeah i mean you're hitting the nail on the head i think so the big question to me is what are some of the things that that you're doing now that are working really well for you? Because I think in, when we're talking about rubber hitting the road, what are the things accountants should be doing? You know, you talk about a website, which I think is table stakes. You know, everyone has a website. A website in and of itself isn't going to drive business for you, right. but it, it is a business card, just like a business card isn't going to drive business for you. You know, what are the what are the table stakes right now as an accountant that you must have? Yeah. And what are the things that you're doing that are really working well for you guys?
1: Yeah, so I think any business... Accountants are not any business. Okay. Here's the thing you got to have. You need to have an email address with your own domain name on it. Don't be using gmail.com or yahoo.com or aol.com. Okay. I, when I get a spam email, a cold email from somebody like that wants to do business and it's from Gmail or Yahoo, um, I, I, I usually reply back and I say, get a professional email and I will consider talking to you until then stop wasting your time. Uh, so get, get a domain to email. Secondly, table six get a website. Then from that domain website, get away. Even if it's a basic one, like I said, build one on Weebly yourself. Super easy to do. Third, you got to register your business with a real address. Okay. You have to, um, why? Cause you got to get yourself on Google maps. Yeah. Um, Yelp, Bing search, right. And all those searches, all the searches are localized. So, um, many people don't know that. You can't get on Google Maps without an address. They won't send you a postcard or a card to verify your address and your business is real. You want to be on Google Maps for the search, right? You want to be on Yelp for the search. You want to be on Bing for the search. Um, it creates localization. All those searches are localized. What that do you helps think
0: to... of using like
1: virtual offices to, to, yeah. to get an address? Totally, you totally can. You can use WeWork, get a WeWork address, get a virtual address. Those all work too, right? Do something. The amount of businesses I run into that don't even have a basic address—well, you can't find them on on Google Maps, right? And then you can't do simple things like if somebody to make if a big company that you want to do business with wants to write a contract and needs your legal address on the contract, what are they use? right? You don't want them using your home address, <laughs> you know. You don't want them using your home address. Get a business professional address, virtual or real, um, and those are t- you know website uh business cards some people say hey what, what you know what's the use of a business card business cards still useful today there's still situations you want to get a business cards um and then linkedin get link, get your profiles online all updated get your linkedin updated um get your you know your your facebook updated i know that i noticed that some people separate and have a business facebook versus a personal facebook sometimes that's fine get something going get a facebook page it's not hard we get a Facebook page. And uh so those are, those are some of some of the t- table stakes that I think are um absolutely necessary just to even start. And most of that stuff is f- absolutely free, right? No money to it, absolute fee or minimum cost. What do you think? What do you think of some of those?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're those are the table stakes. I think you know, uh having a nice good professional business card. I think uh getting out there and doing networking uh in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Um, Is table stakes. And I think that the next level is, do you start looking at SEM? Do you start looking at SEO? Do you start looking at paid ads um, and start investing into the actual promotion of your business? Now, do you guys do any paid work, whether that's SEO, SEM, content writers, any of that?
1: So um, the paid work we do, um, we focus on two primary things. Um, well actually three primary things, uh, email marketing. We actually spend quite a bit of email marketing and we send a lot of emails out every month. And I know that our rules in the U S are a little bit lax probably compared to Canada or Europe. <laughs> so we send quite a number and surprisingly it is one of our best sources for leads. Uh, secondly, we do write a, a lot of content and I have a dedicated content writer that I pay. She's a contractor for uh, reconciled and she also contracts with other financial accounting blogs um and she's local to vermont she's really good and so she does a lot of work for me for for content um and produces that and then uh as well as social media so we do social media whether that's video um i do this thing called everyday entrepreneur once a month where i interview clients or potential clients that i actually want to work with and I interview them on on, on the Facebook Live, and um, and we put it up on YouTube. So those are our th- kind of three main marketing things. We actually don't spend any money right now on search, um, really, and, and ex- except to like boost posts, social media posts. We don't really spend money on Google search or Facebook um, ads yet um, or SEM yet. Uh, how about you, Andrew?
0: So we do we do a little bit of paid on on Facebook to boost posts as well. Um, mostly some of our videos. We do content writing as well. We're not doing uh, much in the way of uh, email marketing, which is, that'll be interesting to to understand what you guys are doing and how that's working. Um, Yes, we do have, um, you know, uh, anti um, or privacy legislation and and rules against um, sending emails unless, or at least sending unsolicited emails. So we don't do too much of that. We don't use lists or anything like that. Um, But uh, we definitely do posts. We um, spend money on, uh, like you, a content marketer to help us develop some of our content because I hate writing. Um, so, so those are the areas that we spend money. Our, our budget is, uh, relatively small still. I mean, when we, when we do a boosted post, we're talking like $30 a week. I mean, we're not talking huge budgets. Um, but that can, you know, small budgets can make a big difference on, you know, Facebook and social media. When you boost posts, what's, uh, what's the medium you like to use, uh, the most?
1: Yeah, we should we're usually boosting um a video on Facebook or the promotion of an event. So if there's an event that I'm gonna be speaking at or event that we're hosting, um, or if we're gonna be booting at an event um as a vendor, then we'll usually use Facebook to boost the promotion of of that. Um and it seems to be fairly effective. Um and obviously video it's like, you know, king right now in regards to content. Um, especially in the accounting arena, cause there's not many, uh, there's not many people in the realm of accounting. Um, even if there was, tw- even if you could count 20 people, that's still not a lot compared yeah. to the amount of accounting firms out there. You know, if you think about Toronto, the amount of accounting firms in Toronto, how many are actually doing video? Not that much, probably less than point point zero one percent right? So video really could make you stand out. And then if you knit, if you go even deeper in a niche, um, video would, would definitely make you stand out because that, you know, you've already segmented yourself, positioned, positioned yourself, and then video would drive, would drive traffic to you.
0: Yeah. And I, we've been having a lot of success with Facebook and videos. Like we're paying, I think we're getting like three cents per view.
1: That's, that's really, really great. No, that's, that's really great. Um, That's really, really great. Really good stat. Um, so yeah. So I think, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think there is a place for um, social media and 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 marketing. The way I the way I think about you know I, I don't think we've figured out the whole paid search thing. The actual paid search like Google Ads. I think in the U.S. at least it's becoming quite a crowded market because we're competing right now against um, quite a number of the VC funded um, you know bot bookkeepers right so um that have bought ads in every city basically in a nationwide and they have the money to spend where they're spending 20 30, a month on google ads and they're spending the same rate on facebook um because they have the money to do it to acquire new customers and <clears throat> to grow at the rate they need to to um to meet their their growth expectations and so really i think the um the key for search for us organically has been fo- try to focus on organic search and try to do that around google maps and yelp get the reviews review the the reviews matter um and they do drive up your your traffic on search um, as, um and so oh, it looks like hector's gonna join us and let me uh Venice. so <clears throat> drive us to search and and um so that's been that's been a huge for organic that's been really really helpful as well but we haven't figured out paid uh you know paid ads um because of the how crowded the market is uh hector if you've been listening in welcome welcome tonight uh what's um you know in regards to marketing focus what are some of your comments so far about what we've been talking about
2: I have not been listening in, so I'll, I'll let you finish and then I'll oh, yeah, I'll, yeah,
1: no. I'll pick up with context. So, we, so yeah, so, so Andrew was talk, asking me what we do for marketing and um, then what we do on paid search or, or social media boosting. And so we don't really do much paid search just because we haven't figured it out. And I, I don't, I'm sure we will at some point, but we, we feel like we're, we're still milking email marketing and we still haven't reached the end of it where I think we're still in the beginning stages of email marketing. And it's, uh it's still working for us very effectively. And then uh we're actually using LinkedIn now too, LinkedIn email marketing, um, which um has uh has shown some good results in the beginning here. So we're gonna keep working on it. And we outsource all that. So we know, you know, we we don't we don't plan or try to become experts internally on any of this stuff. Our expertise is bookkeeping and CFO work. And so, just like we try to preach to our customers, outsource your accounting, outsource where you're not good at. We're gonna outsource the marketing, right? So,
2: I happen to do. uh, I happen to be doing my own marketing for the last ten years, Um, and before I did video, which is principally how I market now. But we, I did uh, Google pay per click. Google pay per click was my principal way I marketed my business. As a matter of fact, to take it one step further back the principal way I marketed my business was with postcards. Um, and I only marketed to local companies. But one, once I wanted to get out of the local company post, postcard type of marketing, then I went to Google pay-per-click. Now, the challenge is that you know, uh, QuickBooks training, which is the keyword that I used to bid on uh, nine years ago, was on the low dollar, $1.25, you know, $1.30. Per click range today during tax season, I just checked, is at six dollars, seven dollars per click. So right now it's a little bit difficult to do that type of marketing. Um, you need, you gotta have a lot of dough for sure uh, for something like that. But um, but but at some point, Google Google pay per click uh, was my main source of uh, marketing.
0: Do you do anything on paid at all right now, Hector? Do you, do you spend money on advertising other than your team and your content?
2: I do, I do. So uh, for my QuickBooks classes that we teach in Miami, um, we actually do uh, Google pay-per-click advertising. Like if you actually go to Google now, I don't know if you guys will will get that because I we did it uh, based on location. But if you search uh, QuickBooks course or QuickBooks class then the word Miami next to it, or Doral, which is the actual city that we're in, uh, we're going to be up there in the in the pay-per-click. And then once we add that keyword, the keyword Miami or Doral, um, the pay-per-click cost goes, goes down significantly. But just, just for that. So um, inadvertently, we do pick up uh, co- uh, customers for private training and for uh, something other than... You know than than the courses in the process because they land on the page, they call the office, and then maybe you know after we talk to them, we'll figure out what is it that we can do for them. But um, but 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 what we're driving to is is the classes.
1: The other side of Hector. <laughs> so um... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't liking the other,
2: uh, the, <laughs> other uh, the, the light on the other camera so.
1: Uh, that's 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 really really great. Um, so we have we have uh search, and now you've been doing video, and it, I I actually not am not familiar if on video, um, you know outside of Facebook, what options are there or opportunities are there to pay for video search search ads that are video that are not Facebook,
0: YouTube uh, you obviously.
2: Can, yeah, so you, YouTube you can actually have the same, uh, keyword type of, uh, bidding system with, with YouTube. That's the one that we, that I do. So every once in a while, if I want to boost the video, I will do that. Um, and then there's actually place ads, which is different. So you can play, you can place an ad, which is going to be like a 30 second ad. You are going to be paying, um, probably a lot less because those ads don't get looked at, um, as much. And, and people just are desperate to wait for 10 seconds to hit skip. It's a little bit different than boosting the video on the search results. So there's two ways to do it in, in YouTube. Um, you, can, you can place a 30 second spot in front of somebody else's video or somebody else's channel. You don't get to choose the video. You, you get to choose the channel and it um, and, and get, gets put randomly across all their videos. Or you can uh, boost the search results. Bo- both, both of those are, are an option.
0: And it's and YouTube's I, I hear is one of the most cost-effective um, paid marketing channels right now because it's utilized. And with most of these things, whether you're talking Facebook uh, or YouTube um, or Google, they're all bidding. Right? It's it's it, it's all the more competition there is for that keyword, the more expensive it is. And because so few people are utilizing YouTube, I hear it's it's really cost-effective. Um, what kind of cost per view are you getting on, on YouTube, Hector? Or is that uh, one of the analytics you measure at all?
2: Yeah. On, on, you're talking about on the, on the paid search boosting on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, those are actually uh, about, they're about 50 cents. They're about 50 cents per impression, 40 cents, 50 cents
0: per impression. All
2: right, about that? I mean, I would,
0: I would have to pull it, um, but uh, yeah, about and YouTube's also a little bit different because they'll actually only consider an impression when they've watched 30 seconds or more, uh, if I understand correctly. So if, if they watch under less than 30 seconds, it actually doesn't, you don't get hit for mm-hmm. that bill. So actually, people are, are I, yeah, hovering I,
2: over the- I don't know. You know what? I, I've been trying to figure out the answer mm-hmm. to that. I don't know if there's a specific number of seconds in the threshold in terms of, okay, you're going to pay- for this click or not pay for this click or, or, or for so many seconds that the video has been up. I actually don't know exactly what it is.
0: I think it's 30 seconds because when we were looking into advertising, um, I was looking at it and they basically, they said in the advertising, I don't know if it's true. I mean, whether we can trust what's on their website, I hope we can. Uh, But they said basically if it was uh, under 30 seconds, then it didn't count as a view and you didn't pay for it. Um, Because we've, I've only done a very, very small, I I think I've literally posted, boosted one post on YouTube so far. Um, And we uh, were having problems because our first video that we were putting up, we did a whole bunch of these little short videos. And we were just going to boost one of our little advertisings, which was only 20 seconds. And they're like, well, it has to be, you know, it's either the entire length of the video, if your video is under 30 seconds, or 30 seconds, if your video is more than 30 seconds. So we, we found that out by trying to post a video under 30 seconds. Um, and so for us, because our video was under 30 seconds, they had to watch the whole thing from start to finish for it to to be considered, um, a paid view. Um, so now our experience with, with the YouTube ads was, um, that they were more expensive than the Facebook ads. Um, when we looked at the CPV, the cost per view, uh, like our Facebook ads were ridiculously low. We're paying three cents CPV. Uh, cost review. It's uh, unbelievable um, how cheap we're able to get that. Um, But that's also doesn't mean like, I don't know what Facebook considers a view, like they may watch two seconds of it. And that counts, or someone might just be scrolling through in their feed. And because Facebook doesn't tell you what they consider a view. So I suspect that anyone if it's in their feed, and if they just scroll past it, even if they don't watch it, I believe in Facebook, that's a view. So i love if anyone is watching and knows. I, someone ping me with so, the answer. So it's,
1: it's it sounds like um with all any of this in regards to marketing that that none of I guess all of us would agree that this is a long game in regards to marketing a long game. It's building your brand, your awareness. It's not the fly by night hope your video becomes viral. I mean everybody hopes that, but the reality, the chance of you creating a viral video is pretty slim unless you are a sophisticated viral video creating <laughs> a marketing company. Um, but especially with accounting content becoming a viral viral video is pretty slim. So it sounds like it's a long game play like most marketing plays. Um, and it takes uh, it takes uh discipline consistency um, and, and focusing on topics that really that audience, your audience would really be interested in. Is that? Would you guys agree with that and what are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, I'd say Hector has nailed that, right? I mean, look at the way he's, he's developed like highly targeted content that is really connected with his audience. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, we've experienced and, and, or experimented and played around with different stuff, but I think nothing trumps content. I mean, Hector's proof in the pudding of how critical good content it is and how good content can really uh, help elevate you. Um, it's sometimes hard to have that, that great content though. Um, and I think that, uh, what I'm probably guilty of is, uh, volume. <laughs> um, and I think that there's a combination, right? I mean, um, volume can make up for, um, uh, maybe not as good quality, but nothing beats good quality. I think if you can combine the two, if you can have great content and lots of volume, um, that's the secret to success on digital the way the way I look at,
2: the, the, to answer Michael's question, the way I look at, you know, how, what 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 should I be doing in terms of marketing? And, and to answer the question to, to anyone who's listening and watching, first, you want to look at, there, there's three things that you're going to need, right? Yeah, you're going to need uh, money, right? That's one of the things you're going to need. You're going to need time. And three, you're going to need either talent or knowledge. So you have to see what is it that you have, right? If you have neither talent or knowledge or the time or money, like uh, you can do marketing, right? I mean, you, you can do guerrilla stuff, right? You can go out there and, and shake hands and give people business cards, but that's really about it. Um, but if, if you have one of these three, let's, so let's, let's say you, you don't have the talent or knowledge about marketing and you don't have money, but you do have time, okay? So if you do have time, what you want to do is you want to spend a lot of time watching what other people are doing. Take notes. Okay. And then when you do something, don't do the same thing. Even what you see being successful, don't repeat it. Just take notes about what components of it you can copy and then do something slightly different. So after you have spent enough time observing what other people are doing, you know, just take a couple of the fundamentals from it, but then take a new spin out of it. If you have time.
0: Yeah. I want to interrupt for one second because I was having a conversation with someone after last book's last week's session. And, and she was talking about how she has this fear to, to get going and get, get started. And she's like, well, you know, I was thinking about writing a blog, but I'm like, everyone else has already written it or they're written. And I actually am going to disagree with you because I think it's fine to even do something that's already out there and already been done because I think it's you got to get in there, and you got to actually start doing it. And I think what holds people up sometimes, I, I, is they're sorry,
2: like, I don't let you disagree with me because you didn't let me finish my point. So, oh, okay. so you're not allowed to disagree with me.
1: But <laughs> keep yeah, going, normal Andrew Wall here. Yeah,
0: that, i never do that. But um, I mean, my point is: get out there, start doing something. Don't necessarily. My fear is that people will. Focus on making sure that they've got the content that's just right. That's, that's unique and not do anything. Your first couple of things that you do are probably going to be crap anyways. Um, So get over that and just get out there and do it is, is my big mantra that I tell everybody. Like, I don't care if you copy word for word, what I've said in another video, get out there and start doing something. Um, And I know that in the ideal world, you're doing exactly what you said you're absorbing what other people, you're creating your own voice, you're spinning it, but creating your own voice sometimes takes time and the practice of actually getting out there and doing it. But now I'll let you finish your thought, Hector. Sorry. <laughs> so, yes,
2: yeah, so I, I was, I was uh, in the camp of, you know, I have, I don't have money, I don't have the talent or knowledge about marketing, but I do have the time. So, so we talked about, you know, observing what other people are doing, taking copious notes, you know, learning, you know, what's, what's what's being done and and where, where some potential gaps are. That's something you can do with your time. Something else you can do with your time is um, write. I mean I, I I think that by by default, if you if you want to do marketing and you don't have money or knowledge, well at least you should write. Now and I'm assuming that you have basic knowledge to construct sentences and communicate uh Whatever your skill set this
1: is. is, this is accountants that we're talking about. But right, yeah,
2: I mean, but yeah, but I mean, you, you should be able to write about, you know, debits and credits. You should be able to write right. about. I mean, like a lot of people come to me and say, well, "I don't know what to write about." You know, you can go go to your local library or or one of those places where they have the old books. That they give it to you for three dollars. Pick up an accounting book from whatever year. It could be from fourteen hundred. It could be from last year. It could be a new one. Pick any accounting book. You literally pick a page and you can dissect. or three articles from concepts on on just a simple college book, right? Because there's just so many things out there that people are searching, you know, amortization, depreciation, right? Time value of money, but there's tons of things you can write. And by the way, even if there's already stuff written out there, um, what I'm suggesting is that you get into the habit of writing. So you find your voice, like uh, like, uh, Andrew saying, it'll take time for you to find your voice, but you're not going to find it by by chance, you find it by, by, by doing right. So as you write, as you write, as you write, as you show it to other people and colleagues and they critique it and you go back and write something better, you're going to eventually find, uh, find your voice. So if you do have, you know, that, that free time, do that. Now for the folks that, that are, that are really slow writers or they or they really can't write or whatever, but they can talk. Then my suggestion would be, you know, turn on your webcam and do a video. Now, even if you don't plan that video to go public, just do the video and do it very clearly, put it into YouTube. You can put it as a private video. And then you literally wait like five minutes and you press, uh, you go into the settings and you press uh, CC or closed caption and you can download the transcription for free off the video that you uploaded. So you can do that. I mean, you could, with today's phones, you can literally open a Notepad and say, Siri, you know, whatever, and then just write and just talk. So, So what I'm saying is, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit things out there that that folks just don't take advantage of. And and what I mean by write, I mean put it on your website, put it on a blog. Okay, so let's say you come back to me and say, I don't have a website, I don't have a blog. Okay, fine. Write it into a LinkedIn article, right? Just do a LinkedIn article. So you don't Absolutely have
1: a website. Free. To Absolutely free. Right? Absolutely free.
2: Oh, I don't have a LinkedIn page. Okay, Jesus. Okay, go to <laughs> medium.com, right? Set up an account in medium.com and set up your Medium account. And that's like a free blog for everybody. And Medium is highly searchable in Google. So if you're writing content in Medium and it's good content or unique content, people will, will, will find it. So mm-hmm. if you don't have, you know, marketing knowledge or money, these are the things that you can do, low-hanging fruit, okay? Um, so let's go into, you guys want to comment on that? So I'll, I'll talk about maybe the other side of the coin here, but any comments on that?
0: Well, I, just,
1: I think, I think makes ahead, sense. that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, and uh kind of the different approaches around around which which of the three resources do you have? which of the three resources, can you can you can you focus on? And for most of us, money is limited, right? For majority of people, money is limited. Those of us in the profession, so we have to rely on the other two of time and and ta- and, and talent, um and focus on utilizing those because most of the time you can utilize those in very in math free methods that get you a, um, a lot of legway and can grow your business to a pretty significant size before you have to do anything before you have to spend, um, you know, significant amounts of money.
2: So let, let's say, let's, let's, let's say that you don't have the time, but you do have the money. Okay. Then if you don't have the time and you do have the money do like Mike loves, right? Find a professional, outsource it, uh, pay someone weekly to write articles for you weekly. If you search hard enough, and I'm not going to give you the name of my ghostwriter because he's really good and it's taken me <laughs> seven years to develop him, but um, he charges me $50, $45 per article. He'll write a weekly article. So all I have to do is email him and say, hey, do 10 you know, on this topic, and then he'll do them. And he'll post them for me in my WordPress page, or he will email it to me so I can put my own voice in it and, 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 and post it up in my website. So you can actually find a really good ghostwriter, a retired CPA or, or a retiring CPA that would that gladly write you know, CPA or bookkeeping type articles that you can post on your website for about 50 bucks an article about that. So that's something you can do. That, that's, that's for sure. Um, let's say, for example, that so that's if you have if you have money and that's really pretty self-explanatory, right? You, you hire someone, have somebody else do it for you. If you have money, do pay-per-click ads and drive traffic to your website if you have money and you're going to do that you better pay a great web designer because it makes no sense to drive traffic to your website when your website is crap right like if people land on your website and they're like oh i don't want to work with these people then you just wasted 3 dollars a click or whatever or whatever it was so th- th- that strategy needs to come hand in hand a really nice website with a clear message some some something that somebody will see on the first page and go yep these are the people that i want to work with to make that click worth its while so you're going to invest on a website invest on a marketing consultant, a, a pay-per-click social media consultant that will drive paid traffic uh, to your website. So that's, that's an easy one, right? They say Usually if you have money, everything is pretty, pretty easy. <laughs> but,
0: um,
2: you guys have any comments on that? Or?
0: Well, well, let's talk about this. This brings up, I think, a really critical thing, which is the next level, which is um, your website and your sales funnel. And what does that look like for you guys? And what do you think is, again, so what we talked about earlier, Hector, was what's table stakes? What's the minimum that you need to have as far as a sales funnel? And what's the things that next level firms uh, are doing? And what are the things that you're doing as far as a sales funnel and managing? So you've, you've put this content out there. You're starting to get
1: eyeballs. Uh, now, how do you take those eyeballs and turn them into conversions? yeah we usually we usually have call that calls to action on everything you know we have to have a call to action that's the marketing term i guess um for us the the call to action is literally a form on the website that you know I want like, contact us form or <clears throat> find out more form and they fill out literally their email address and name um phone number and they get an immediate contact from me or my sales guy and we set up a thir- try to set up a thirty minute call so we we're not at a we're not with majority of our service at a place where somebody can just click and buy our service right online. Some other you know some very forward thinking firms have that where it's literally flat price for everything. Um, but we are we are at a place where we want to drive the customer to a thirty minute call. We want to get them a thirty minute call, get their information, send them a proposal, and and that's it. But that's that thirty minute call that we're calling people to action on on uh, and sometimes it can be done in 15 minutes but usually it's around 30 minutes on average
0: and and do you guys do any lead magnets or anything so to to um bring them down the funnel so before someone's maybe ready to book a consultation with you you know some free guides uh free videos that in order to get access to it then they've got to have they've got to give their name and, and email stuff and then go into uh, a marketing campaign or or a drip marketing tool yeah we, we haven't that?
1: done we haven't done anything like that yet we we should we should work on that my, my content writer says we should start working on something like that, but we, no we haven't done anything like that yet.
0: How about you, Hector? do you do anything
2: like that? I do that all the time, so let me tell you some examples of what what we do so we try we try to send the client some homework before we book a meeting so some of the homework could be they answer these questions. What version of QuickBooks do you have? You know what? What has your uh, role with your accountant been in the past? Um, you know what are your what are your top three uh, pain points? If we, if I could wave a, a magic wand and change something about your whole accounting operation, what would it be like? Wh- what should I focus on? Like, well, well, depending on, on we'll, we'll tailor it based on what the original inquiry is, right? So we give the client some homework, and then doing that that buffer time, if we don't have content written for that potential client already will write it. So let me explain myself. So let's say, for example, that I have a good idea on how to work with e-commerce clients. Let's say I have a good idea. Let's say that's not my specialty, but I have a good idea. I worked with them before. Um, I have have a quasi idea of what the experience of downloading transactions from Amazon and Shopify is, uh, you know, whether you need a third-party app or something. Let's say I have a general idea. I have some experience with it. The client calls and says, hey, I'm looking for someone... That's good at e-commerce. I has worked with e-commerce uh, clients, uh, uh, clients before. Can we schedule a meeting to see if you guys had the right fit? And then we tell the client, hey, before we set up the meeting, here's your homework. Okay. And then we, we ask him all the questions. Hey, are you using Amazon? Are you use-? And then I ask specific questions about, you know, who has the inventory? Is it Amazon FBA or whatever? And then once the client gives us all, 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 all the answers, all we'll say, okay, give us, give us a couple of days and we'll let you know whether or not this will work what I immediately do, if I really want to nail that client, I really want to nail it. Like I really want, I want it. What I do is I'll write an article about a client that I never had that had the exact same situation and something that we did in the past for them. Right. So I'll write the article, I'll post it on the website and I'll come back and, and say, Hey, by the way, before we meet, you may want to read this article because this may be uh, relative uh, and let me know what you think to see if it's in the right direction. And people will read it. And then they'll come back and go, wow, this is like, you're like the perfect person. So then what happens is when we actually spend the time doing the sales process, we're not spending any time trying to impress the client. We are spending time getting the client to pay our fee, you know, whatever the value price fee, the, the, the good price we want to charge. So what, what that does also is that, that creates now a permanent knowledge base in your website, an article about some type of e-commerce client. Then when we're finished working with that with that client, obviously we're going to have some new challenge, we're going to figure out some new puzzle, right, that we're using PayPal or not using PayPal or whatever it is, right? And then we're going to write down what we learned from it. And then we're going to go back and amend that article and write a little bit more, right, or some other circumstances or a secondary article about this other client that we had. And then that's how we build the content. And that's how we build uh, the specialized content for nailing those clients. You know, we, we don't have this enormous amount of pressure to, to nail the customer right in the first call. Or to get the price right right on the first call like we've told people up front to say hey we don't have an hourly rate so don't ask for one like, that's it you know so like the so the client says but i want to know how much you want to charge i'm like i can't tell you until i understand what you want me to do but okay well, about how much i can't i don't have an hourly rate so i can't so we have to go down this rabbit hole now i only do that with clients that kind of seem desirable right it's very difficult to know what a good client going to be but over time you'll learn like if a client, is in a, if you have a client in the construction business, all you have to do is ask him, hey, what, what, kind, of, what kind of work have you done in the past, right? You know, to tell me something about your work. You can Google them and take a look at what businesses, what, uh, what biddings they have out there. And then you can get a good idea more or less if this is a tire kicker or a real business, right? And even if a real business is putting up a fight about paying a price, real businesses don't have time to waste. And they're going to pay top dollar for someone that knows their stuff. So if I'm going to spend the time researching the company and writing an article just for them, it's because I'm committed to doing it right. And I'm going to do that for the type of clients that, that seem that are going to be really, really good uh, to do this for. So it doesn't happen to every single person that, 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 that calls and asks, uh, asks for something, but it's gotten to a point where we created so much content that we can almost tell the client before we meet, read this article. Before we meet, watch this video. And we, we write down what are the most top, like our, our, our phone person, who she's like the most amazing employee any company can ask for. Um, you know, she, she, she if I tell her, write down the top things that people ask for when they first call, she does it. And then she gives me a report and then we, we, we organize them. And we're like, okay, our next three videos are going to be on these top three topics because we want people to, 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 to hire us because they feel... That we were put on this earth to serve them, and then when you do that, then it's, it's not really a sales process. It's just, it's just recommending them to work with us, right? And, and us assessing whether or not this this will, this will, uh, this will work. So that's kind of like, to Andrew's, to Andrew's question. That's some next level shit.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> but, 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 that was, level.
2: but that was Andrew's question, right? Andrew's question is, you know, do you do you have specialized content for them? Do you have do you take them to a process where, you know, they want to look at what you've done in the past or whatever, um, you know, f- for them to hire you first? You can do that. I mean, for the, for the big clients, like if I had, if I had a $20,000 engagement where we're going to travel somewhere in the middle of America and spend a week over there and train the whole team and implement it with the enterprise, um, sometimes, sometimes they'll ask me for references. Hey, can you give me some references of big companies? like I? Because the bigger companies do that, right? You know, these are like multi-million dollar companies. They want to hear that you've only worked with multi-million dollar companies. So I say, look, you know, our our client list is pretty private, but I'm going to find a, I'm going to find a, what do you call that? Um, A use case. I'm going to find a use case uh, from the ones that we have documented in our internal database. And I'm going to send it over and and, and bullshit. I don't have one. I'll write one. Right. So I'll write the use case. Right. And I'll use my experience. I'm not, I'm not making these things up. I, I trust me when it comes to QuickBooks implementation, I'm not making these things up. It's just I haven't made the time, I have not made the time to document them all. But if I really want to nail a deal, I'll write up a quick use case. You know, kind just of like,
1: like ba- based on a true story. Like <laughs> yeah, a true
2: story. And I can say, hey, I have this client, let's call him Jim, you know, because I don't want to expose you know. This based
1: on a true use thing. case.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a one pager. You say, this was the state before we got there, right? They were using uh, three different systems and they were running reports in Excel. And they had this yellow paper and green paper and red paper that moved around the office. And people were making photocopies and making markings. This is real world, right? We deal with this stuff all the time. And what we've done is we got rid of the paper. We made people scan them. We had people create sales orders. Then the sales orders went to whomever. That person added a note in QuickBooks Then it got transformed into an invoice. Then the invoice was sent to this department. You know, we'll write down what the outcome of the job was. Real work, I mean, this is a, either a real job a fake a job doesn't exist or a concoction of multiple jobs put into one use case as if it's a real job and you send the client the use case. Now, some people are going to say, oh, Hector, that's unethical, oh, Hector, you know, bullshit. All marketing, it's pompous, right? All marketing is, you know, making you look better than what you are. And no other person takes the time to build a, to build a use case that, that creates a simulation of what the work is going to be. So, whether, so if it's real or not, it doesn't matter. You're, you are basically building the entire plan up front at you know, no cost to the client, giving a client a preview of what it would be like to work with you, showing them that you know what you're doing. Who cares if it's a real use case or it isn't, right? And, and your client's going to say yes. And, and even at the end of the day, they go, if you tell them, hey, by the way, the use case was bullshit, but you did the job right, do, do you think they're going to care? they're not they're They're gonna say thank you for sending it to me because you actually build a roadmap of and and you and you allow me to imagine you know what what working with you would be like because remember one of the most powerful things that we can do either with words right either with words or just with a conversational exercise is getting people to imagine anything right if you tell someone if if you're gonna if you're trying to sell someone on a deal right? And, and they say, I'm not sure if I should work with you. And you say, close your eyes for a second. Imagine, and then paint them the future state, right? Imagine where you show up to work and you run a report and you trust everything that's there. Imagine where you where you, uh, you know pull up your inventory and you trust the information that's there. Imagine where January 2nd comes along and you send your CPA the reports and they can prepare your tax return the first week of January. Imagine what it would feel to be like that. And if the client says, wow, that's, that's a great future state. <laughs> and then you say, what if I could guarantee that result? Right? And the client says, if you can guarantee that result that I just imagined that gave me all this, you know, butterflies and great feelings, then we're no longer talking about hourly rates and all this BS. We're talking about value. And, th- and that's, what, that's what value pricing is. Value pricing is getting the person to imagine how great the result of your job's going to be synchronizing with them on that and then pricing it accordingly. So the client feels that they're paying top dollar to get top quality service. Does it really matter how you get there? As long as, it's, as long as you don't do anything illegal, it doesn't matter. And if you need to build a use case that's not real in order to paint that picture and help imagine it, then it's a good practice to do.
1: That's great. I'm imagining I'm imagining that all of our um, Facebook Live participants are in a, f- a future dream state <laughs> from this conversation. That they're and that they're learning a ton. No, that's that's really good. I I like that <clears throat> you're trying to paint the picture um, because and, and frankly, you said Hector, most of the most of the other professionals they're going to interact with are not doing that for them, right? They're not they're not able to p- paint that future state for them and that really is where the real value is. Um, and so I, I think I I really like that. And, and I think that's, that's the opportunity we have as professionals. Now, how do you do something like that? Let, you know, I, I kind of shift gears a little bit, but I know that many, many of in our profession are going into a super busy season, right? They're going to jump into the super busy season. Um, balance for me and, um, I mean, what do you balance for me painting that state with the kind of uh, grind of the season that's coming up um, in the next few months? Uh, give, give me come, paint a little picture of what the future state looks like over the next two, three months?
2: Well, um, one of the things that we want to make sure that we do is that you know all, not all customers are created equal, and not all customers with their specific needs and specific timing is also all created equal. So it is okay for one customer that has one specific need to pay one price to be done in February and a different price to be done in May. That is okay, right? So what you first want to do is communicate with the client and say, hey, it sounds like you have this pressing issue with 1099s on January 27th, right? And we would love to take, take you on as a client However, we have a minimum that three days before it's due is $1,500 for any type of work that we take. So would you like us to take it now so we can spend the time, do it right? Or are you okay with doing it in February and maybe you know, dealing with the consequences of late fees? And we will have a standard rate of whatever it is, $15 per 1099. And at that point, the client will self-select themselves out of, yes, I wanna, I wanna come in in the middle of you, know, you being in the weeds and I'm going to pay top dollar for, because I want your attention now. I need your attention now. And I don't want to wait for it later. Or the client to say, hey, I, I like to, I'm okay with waiting. I understand. I understand I made the mistake. I understand I called you during the busy season. I'm okay with it later. Let the client make that choice. Okay. It, it, instead of framing it the other way, most people frame it the other way saying, well, they either say I'm too busy or I can't take a client, right? Or 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 they would... They would be so frustrated trying to take the client on because they want to finish the call in 50 minutes because they have 20 other returns to do that it's just not going to come out there. So that's what you're saying. You're saying, how can I weigh in the craziness of the season and a true consultative process? Well, these things are at odds with each other. You can't. It is not possible for you to spend an hour scoping a job and at the same time, you know, you got three days to do a 1,000, W-2s, the 1099s, or what do they call it in
0: Canada, H-4? Uh, uh, well, we've got T-4s. Not T-4, H4. that's it, yeah,
2: yeah. T-4, that sounds like the fourth Terminator movie. <laughs> uh, so, we've uh, also
0: got T-2s, T-1s, right, uh, go. T-3s.
2: Right, right. So, so you know, insert letter and a number here, right? And, <laughs> and I got to get this done by three days from now. It is very difficult, Michael, to answer your question. It is very difficult, close to impossible, to, to tackle the two things, right? Because right. being busy with busy work and f- making the client feel like they're the only client in the world, those two things are at odds with each other. So you either bring the client in the weeds and say, hey, I only got 50 minutes. We're gonna try to somehow scrounge your work and get your job done or say, dude, can you wait a couple of weeks and then we'll bring you in and I can spend all the time that I need to to take on, take on this job right, right from the get-go. So we start a relationship right from the get go.
1: You know, this oh, yeah. Yeah. We, get we get both. This and is every, great. This is great. I've had, I had a recent example of this with a plumber at a rental property. Um, over the past week here in Vermont, it's been very cold, and so one of my rental properties, um, the heat died down several times, and so I had to get my gas company out there I have a maintenance plan. Gas company got, comes out and says, if you don't this fix this certain thing, and a plumber can only do it uh, until you do we will not come out and service our maintenance plan anymore. And I was like, Oh, Oh crap. So if this heat goes out, I can't call the gas company at 10 o'clock at night to come take care of the rental property. Um, so I need to get a plumber out there. Plumber. So I, I had a plumber come out and I'm sure if I had shopped around, I had the time to quote, I had the time to go buy the parts myself. I would have gotten it way less, but I knew that the time was ticking and I knew if this heating system goes out again, this gas company ain't coming out to help me. So I need to get this the, the plumber out here to fix these the parts of this heating system that that they're making you know making making a requirement. And so um, the, I got the bill today. <laughs> I almost fell. I almost fainted. But now I have this confidence. Now I can call the gas company and say, Hey, we're all done. You can come out and do your thing. And I've milked the gas company of their maintenance plan this this season because it's gone out several times. And so. I totally know what you mean, Hector. It's like when you when when you as the customer have the time to spare, um, you'll go out and go, Oh yeah, February, okay, I can wait till February. But when there's a, a value put in your brain or your mind or a a, a need, a fear um of of service and you don't want to sleep at night, you're willing to you're willing to deal with whatever the price is in order to make sure that that value comes in at, at the right time.
0: So, Hector, do you do all that pre-qualifying over the phone and in a consultation, or do you do any of it through forms? And is there a different type of form that you use? Are you using Google forms? Are you using type forms? How are you collecting this data to weed, uh, weed out those people who aren't willing to to spend the money? Does that have to be done over the phone or so, are there so other the, ways? So,
2: so you're going to laugh. As, as sophisticated as some of my stuff looks like, this part, you know, it's completely archaic. I, I don't have a form for leads. I don't have... Um, a funnel, like you, you keep talking about funnels and I don't even know, like, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't deal with the concept of funnels and, and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. I, I'm an e- We're email people, right? So, so when a client calls and says, hey, like it's happened to me many times, people will call my cell phone because my cell phone is spread out throughout the world. right? So people call my cell phone and I happen to answer and they go, Hector? And I'm, yes. Oh, wow, it's you. Okay, I have a quick QuickBooks question. And I say, dude, before you go down that route, okay? Um, you can ask the question, but it's very rarely that I'll give the answer, right? This is my profession. So if you want if you want me to take the time to possibly answer your question, email me the question, okay? And then just completely reroute, reroute the, the phone call to say, email me the question. When you, when you send me the question, I want you to be very specific. Tell me the type of business that you're in. Tell me if you have a current accountant, what the relationship with your current accountant is, tell me what your pain points are, ask me the question, send me screenshots. And when I have time, I will either give you an answer, send you in the right direction, or tell you that the answer to that question will be in a consultation. And then the email comes in. So whenever we have time, we read the email. Some of these clients get really sophisticated and fancy with these emails, right? Screenshots, I had a client that sent me an animated GIF of a process and I'm like, wow, that's kind of pretty cool. I right, said so like a screen capture and animated GIF, you know, people get really creative and then when I have time, I look at it and then I'll be able to say, okay, this type of client I want to work with, right? Their English makes sense, right? That means that we can communicate, right? They live in the US or Canada or somewhere that they'll probably be able to pay me with US dollars. Um, I understand their pain point is a type of industry I want to work with. And I come back and say, hey, I think that we can set up a quick meeting. This is the price. I'll log into your computer. I'll walk you through the process, answer your questions this is how we can do it. In some cases, we're super generous and we'll literally just reply with the answer. And I think that's really generous because that's, you know, 10 years of experience using QuickBooks to give somebody free support like that. But I typically do it strategically. At the end of my answer, I go, by the way, we could probably set up a session where I can train you and minimize the next 10 questions you're going to have in the next couple of years because we can focus on just getting all the stuff cleared out and, you know, making your business more efficient XYZ and the offers out there. And and they invited me to be in their mailbox. This is why I think email is so powerful because when somebody emails you, they're giving you explicit permission to contact them, right? So that's a really important uh, piece, right? So we, we email them back. And in some cases, you know, when the question is something that half of it can be answered by a team member and the other half, they probably have to set up a consultation or buy a product, like buy a training course or something that we have. I send it to, to Jessica or whoever in my office and say, hey, it looks like you can answer half of this question, but make sure that they look into this and this uh, potential service to solve their problem. So I'm big into email because it gives me the opportunity to, to think about instead of being on the spot on the phone. Because I think Michael's question, right, around, in my opinion, Michael's question about, hey, how do you handle this consultative process and all this stuff and the busy season? His question is, how do you make time for this, right? That's really what Michael's asking. I don't think he's really asking the other part. It's how to make time for this. And the way I make time for it is set the expectation that if you send me the email, I will do this on my own time and I'm not pressed for that immediate answer. So that's a long answer to to that um, and a comment around uh, that.
1: That's great. And Andrew, final thoughts as we close out?
0: Um, I want to get Hector on a sales funnel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go well that's great well maybe we, next week we could talk more about sales funnels uh hubspot what you know other, other tools we use but uh it's about time we probably sign off it's great talking to you guys about this tonight we'll talk soon
0: thanks guys bye for now bye, bye guys